I hate moral victories, but with what we're facing right now, with the group we have, with the injuries, I'm proud of our guys for competing. Blackhawks Live. When the Blackhawks play these top teams, it feels like their focus is so heightened that they play better. Charlie Romeliotis. I think the difference, obviously, is the Blackhawks don't really have the talent. They're going to have to outwork a lot of teams and try to play tight defensive hockey. That Dick and St. Anderson Felina line, it is clicking. That's cool. It's freaking awesome. Now, it's time to talk Hawks. Let's go Blackhawks. Here's Joe Brand. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Fabulous work by the one and only Ernie Scatton once again. And yes, Charlie Romeliotis will be joining us after the 7.30 news here on 720 WGN. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. And the Hawks are currently in the midst of a four-game losing skid. Yeah, it's a little rough right now, but what gives? What was with the different performance against the Vancouver Canucks yesterday at the United Center where they outplayed one of the better teams in the NHL, definitely in the first period, probably in the third period, not so much in the second period. But it was a all-out performance by this Blackhawks team that is missing a handful of pieces. And I think that that plays a role in why they were able to, number one, get off to a good start and kind of keep that consistent play. Because... Why are the Hawks struggling with that so much this year? Why is consistency such a problem? And how come when you're missing Seth Jones, Kevin Korchinski, Alex Vlasic, Mackenzie Entwistle, Taylor Hall, Andreas Athanasiu, you're able to put up a great performance against a really good Vancouver team? As Charlie mentioned in the Open that Ernie put together, the Hawks do a better job most of the time when they play better teams. We've seen it on this recent four-game losing skid. They had a pretty decent performance against the Edmonton Oilers when you take into account all the players that they were missing. And you thought that that could roll into the next game against the Seattle Kraken, but that did not happen whatsoever. That might be the most critical loss of the year. But we're, we're kind of past that now because of what the Hawks were able to do against Vancouver. They were able to utilize a vibrant United United Center crowd, get off to a good start, make it a very close game, and nearly come away with the point had Connor Bedard gotten that tripping call that in real time it looked like he was pretty confident that a call should have been made. Later on he said the right things in the Blackhawks dressing room as the 18-year-old just continues to do and say the right things. But the Hawks nearly got at least a point out of that game. Again, I think it's a couple of different things. When you miss so many players, I think it's a little easier to get back to the fundamentals and get back to the well-structured hockey that this team, for whatever reason, can't make it consistently. But you're talking about a really young Six defensemen that the Hawks were relying on yesterday. Because now Alex Vlasic is out of the picture, at least for the short term. It sounds like the Hawks are just being cautious with him. I mean, we've said multiple times on these airwaves that he has been the most consistent defenseman for the Hawks this year. So now they lose him after a game and a half. And you're relying on a lot of young guys. The Hawks had to go with five forwards on the power play, or at least the top power play unit. And it looked kind of good. Troy Murray was mentioning how different it is with five forwards. The Hawks did this a little bit last year, but 
I think that was more to just try and crack the code of this uh, of a struggling power play. It wasn't so much because of the pieces the Hawks were dealing with. But Troy's point was, when you go heavy offense on the power play, you're a little bit vulnerable in a shorthanded situation. But it looked okay. I mean, it looked like, and and this is something we've brought up too, I, I do feel like the power play has been improving a little bit. And maybe not every single power play is better than the last over the past couple of games, but there seems to be just a little bit better entries, a little bit better decision-making on the passes, on the shot selection. And when, you've get, when you get those five skilled forwards, when you get Philip Kurashev with Connor Bedard and throw in Taylor Radish there and Nick Foligno, they're maybe on the, the same page a little bit more. And I know that's easier to say right now after the fact, you know, kind of Monday morning quarterbacking. Don't worry, we won't get too much into the Bears today. But that's a good sign. And again, anytime this team has a positive, how little it is, how happenstance it is, you got to pull from it. You got to hopefully use it for momentum into the next game because so many times are we critical about this team? So many times are we breaking down things that just aren't working? And going back to the previous road trip where the Hawks did lose three in a row, kind of got whooped in Detroit, Winnipeg, and Minnesota, Luke Richardson was positive about the last 20 minutes in that last road game of the road trip. Even though the Hawks were down by four goals, able to pull out some positive from that and move forward, and they ended up going on a three-game point streak. Now, it's still going to take a lot for that to continue. That trend, which... The Hawks host Colorado tomorrow night. That's a real tough opponent. And and let's face it, the, the Hawks are in no position to take a look at opponents and be like, oh, that's a winnable game, because it's just not the situation right now. But they still continue to have a little bit better of a performance against the better teams. And I don't know if that's an adrenaline rush. I don't know if that's just playing to your competition. But it was nice to see. I, I think that was one of the more fun games at the United Center all year long. Crowd was into it. Hawks were looking much better on the penalty kill. The crowd was getting into it because they were looking better on the penalty kill. Creating a lot of chances. Really limiting Vancouver. Now, you can maybe chalk that up to Vancouver playing the day before in Minnesota, coming off a shootout loss, having to travel over to Chicago, and maybe not getting off on the the right foot. But the Hawks limited Vancouver to zero Shots on goal in 5-on-5 in the first period in yesterday's game. That's not all just happenstance. That's that's good, hard-working effort by this team. Now, it was a different story in the second period, but that's going to happen from Vancouver, who's number one in the league in terms of scoring, the best goal differential in the NHL. And they just shoot the puck a lot. they got a lot of different goal scorers, and Sam Lafferty's there now, and you all know how I feel about him but just continues to win those hard-working battles, win those little 50-50 pucks, and sustain offensive pressure. That's why Vancouver's gotten off to such a good start. Not just Sam Lafferty, but just playing that full team game. Rick Tockett really seems to know what he's got with that squad. And ironically, last year, it was a win against the Hawks. That was Rick Tockett's debut as the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Remember all that drama? with Bruce Boudreau and the entire crowd chanting, Bruce, there it is, and didn't want to see him leave. 
I'm sure they're pretty happy nowadays with the start that they've gotten off to. But some some people might think that they're still a bit of a pretender. I think the rest of the regular season will clear the air on that a little bit more. But again, the hopeful thing is that the Hawks can put up that same type of effort, that same type of performance against Colorado tomorrow. Once again, tall task. Last time the Hawks faced Colorado, it was rough. You could totally see the difference in the two teams' rosters. And we've seen that a lot this year. And again, with missing so many guys, Flasic, Korchinski, Seth Jones. Over on the offense were guys like Taylor Hall and Anthony C. who haven't been here in what seems like forever. Sounds like Colin Blackwell might be on his way back. That helps a little. Mainly, I hope he can get back on the ice in a game sooner rather than later because he's just one of the better down-to-earth guys and has really gone through a rough time as of late and just is doing absolutely everything he can to stay positive. So you'd really like to see a guy get rewarded in that type of situation. But I still wonder how different this offense would look if Lucas Reichel were to click. And now, you know, Joey Anderson left mid-game yesterday and you couldn't mess up that line. Felino, Dickinson, and Joey Anderson were just doing too much good stuff to mix up that line. Because the one, and I, I don't want to play head coach, I'm, I'm not qualified to do that, but the one line I would be curious about, because they put Reichel and Bedard up with Kurashev, it's, it's probably more they bring up Reichel with Bedard and Kurashev, but if you're going to team up Reichel and Bedard, what about throwing Nick Felino up there as well? Because then you got the hardworking guy that can win the pucks and feed Bedard and Reichel, and then you've got probably the two most offensively skilled guys. I don't know, maybe because of this year, you might argue that that's Philip Kurashev more than Reichel. But what if you had those two offensively skilled guys with Nick Felino? I'd be interested in seeing that. I'd also be interested in seeing Jason Dickinson get moved up. But I know that creates some questioning because then you've got Dickinson and Bedard on the same line and you want both those guys to take face-offs. I would like to see Jason Dickinson on the power play, but again, we've been seeing some improvements for the power play. And I mean, think about it. These are the types of questions and decisions that Luke Richardson has to go with and go through each and every day. But I, I do appreciate how he rewards Lucas Reichel as much as he challenges him. As rough of a start as it's been for Lucas Reichel, as much as it seemed like he's really not hitting his confidence there, Luke Richardson gives him a lot of opportunities to get it back. And let's just pose this hypothetical really quick. What if it's not completely linear? What if it's not Lucas Reichel just figures it out and then everything takes off for him? And then the entire Hawks offense. It might be one of those things where it's going to be a little give and take, a little one step forward, two steps back. And is that what you want to see? No. Is that encouraging to see? No. But maybe that is what has to happen for Lucas Reichel to finally figure things out at some point this year. And I know you're all sick of me talking about what patience is needed for Arvid Sutterbloom, but maybe that's the same kind of situation for Lucas Reichel. Because the Hawks are in this situation right now, year two of a rebuild, 
You don't necessarily need to figure out everything right now to start winning games because wins and losses don't matter too much right now. I know it's a lot easier to build team camaraderie and it's a lot easier on the fans, but that is just the reality of a rebuild. I'm really interested in asking Charlie Romeliotis a few of these questions. He's also got a Hawks cast coming up on NBC Sports Chicago. If you don't know what that is, stick around. We'll have him break that down a little bit. And we'll get into a few more things, too. What a move. What a play. What a gesture by the Hawks to send the entire team to Kevin Korczynski's father's funeral. Larry Korczynski tragically passed away. That's why Kevin Korczynski's been away from the team. His services were Friday after the game in in Seattle on Thursday. The entire team went to Saskatoon, attended the funeral, and frankly, I think that played a role in Sunday's performance too. We'll get to that in a little bit. Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN. When you ask Jack Heinrich to do something, he'll do it. Last week I asked for Christmas bumps. What do we get? Who is this? Uh, the Crystals? Okay. Yeah, I knew I knew it was old school. I, I just saw the title and <laughs> picked it. I've got a uh, Christmas playlist. I don't mean to compete with Steve Godsell of our sales department, who's got a uncommon Christmas playlist on Spotify. I feel the need to check it out. Uh, it's pretty good, but I, I, I've got my own, too. I, I mashed together a, a Christmas playlist along with just some other kind of party songs, but I'll have to add that one. So thank you for the song, Jack. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. I'm Joe Brand. Charlie Romeliotis is going to join us after the 7.30 news here on Blackhawks Live. Kevin Korchensky's been away from the team for a little bit now, and until this past weekend, we weren't sure why. And unfortunately, the reason is he lost his father. He's nine, Kevin Korchensky is 19 years old. He lost his father. The services were on Friday in Saskatoon. The team had a road trip in Edmonton last Tuesday, Seattle last Thursday. They spent the night in Seattle. They woke up Friday. They flew to Saskatoon and then flew back home. So the entire team was there to support Kevin Korczynski. Here's what Nick Foligno had to say about it. When a brother hurts, we all hurt, and uh, you know we're playing hard for him uh, tomorrow for sure. What helped you the most when you had to go through your mom's situation? Being with the guys. That's the hardest part, right, is like you grieve, and the only normalcy you really have is when you come in the room, right, and you're, you're putting your skates on. Everything else outside the rink when that happens is, is not normal, right? You're not, you, you go home after a game, you're used to calling your mom or your dad, and you can't anymore, right? So those are the hard moments, and, and when you're at the rink, it's kind of where everything kind of falls back into place. So being here really helped me and uh, being around the guys and you know having that camaraderie having that brotherhood and um, sometimes you, you realize how lucky you are to have that when you're going through such a hard time especially as a young player or a young person so um, you, you get picked up off the floor a lot of times by your teammates and guys that really care about you and and obviously your family but they give you the strength to kind of keep moving forward so I was very lucky to, to have that and, and I have an incredible family you know I, and that's I'm, I, we saw that in the love that we saw in, in that church yesterday with all of Kevin's family we know he's well looked after in a lot of ways too with the, the way the community surrounded his family so um, you know we're going to help him get through this and it doesn't make it any easier and like I said there's no right words but uh, being present and just showing him that he's cared about is, is most important. That's Blackhawks forward Nick Felino. Nick Felino lost his mother Janice when he was 21 years old and fresh into the league of the NHL back in 2009. 
not only is Nick Foligno a, a great leader, just a, a typical role model and brought into this Hawks dressing room for so many different reasons, but my goodness, is he a good reference for this type of situation? And I, I think, and I know that that clip that we just played, I, I put it on my Twitter after it happened, after the Hawks practice, it was so well received on Twitter. It's not too often you get something 100% positive on, on Twitter these days, but rightly so for this situation. And it just it just seems like the perfect mindset for it because, no, hockey, sports aren't the most important thing in the world. But when they can be an escape, when they can help you kind of relieve the stress, the pressure from what is going on in real life, that's how you turn it into a positive. You don't use it to totally block out what's going on in your world. But you use it, as Troy Murray puts, as his happy place. And he's right. It's not like your mom and dad are there with you for every game, no matter what sport. And yeah, they might be there to support you, but they're not on the field. They're not on the ice. They're not on the court out there with you. And I feel like Kevin Korchinski can lean on Nick Felino a lot during what he's going through, which only some of us can fathom how difficult that is. Charlie Romeliotis joins us after the 7.30 news, and Steve Ruxton has it from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. It's the most wonderful time of the year by Andy something. Andy Williams. Thank you, Jack. It is the most wonderful time of the year and of the show. It's time for our guest. This is Blackhawks Live. You're listening to 720 WGN. And Charlie Romeliotis of NBC Sports Chicago joins us on Blackhawks Live. Charlie, what's up, man? How are you? What's up? What an intro leading me into that song. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we uh, had a had a big board, and we had all these different songs, and we were. It took us about an hour before the show to prep to figure out which one would describe you best, and that's the one we decided oh. on. So, I uh, thank you for validating our whole process with that. That's unbelievable, the fact that you guys were thinking about me for that long. I, I think that's an hour way too long than you should have. Yeah, it's almost as long as the entire show that we have here. So uh, <laughs> let's get right to it. Uh, Charlie, what did what were you most impressed with the Blackhawks' performance yesterday against Vancouver? Yeah, I thought it, that was probably one of their best starts of the season. I mean, at one point they were out shooting Vancouver 12-1, to and that was well into the first period. It was about like eight minutes left. So I thought... That was like great, great start. It was against a Vancouver team that's that's really good this year, and I know they were on the second of a back to back, and I think they played in a they went to a shootout against Minnesota the night prior. So when you're playing in back to back road games, I think that's when you want to capitalize. Um, and the Blackhawks did that, and I thought they had a good third period too. It was really the second period that that um, you know giving up those three goals and then. Fo- I think it was like two and 45 seconds or 41 seconds, somewhere in there. Um, so I think you could build off the the start. And then I thought the the five forward power play look was, was awesome. And I had to double check this, but it was the first time all year the Hawks didn't, the, they just scored two power play goals in a game. Wow. And so I think um, now I, there have been times where I think the Blackhawks have like barely scored. Like it was like, a second or two after a power play expired. Um, so I, it could be a little bit deceiving, but I thought the, the power play looked really solid, and I, it was smart to go to the five forward look when three of their power play quarterbacks are, are out right now. Yeah, I think it's a fair point to bring up because I think even just the special teams altogether looked better 
in that game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys like Dickinson and Joey Anderson just individual efforts burning off time in the PK, and, and that's what you like to see, those simple little things. Why is this team so inconsistent with that, though? I mean, why are they able to put up a great performance like that against Vancouver but not against Seattle? I It's a good question. I think what it comes down to is when there's a good team coming to town, like when, when the Hawks are facing the Edmonton, and like Edmonton was, they were on a seven-game winning streak, they're, they're feeling themselves. And the Blackhawks were without Seth Jones. They're without all these guys. And it feels like when they play the good teams, their focus is so heightened because if they're not on their A game, they could get blown out, uh, quite frankly, because they're, they're, they just don't have the talent to match up with some of these top teams. And when some of the lower-tier teams come into town, not saying that the Blackhawks don't take them seriously, but – it, it's less likely that they'll lose a game 8-1. to one. And ironically, those are the games that they have lost 7-1 to one or 8-1 to one because it was Arizona earlier in the year, it was Columbus earlier in the year, and then it was obviously Seattle. So um, it's very weird psychologically. I would love to – I think that's my assessment from a uh, – like a, an armchair psychologist point of view. Like I just think when the when the top tier teams come into town or they're facing a top team, it's like you better be on your A game because if not, like it could get out of hand very quickly. I feel like most psychologists sit in an armchair, so it, it would still work. It would still work <laughs> for you, Charlie. Um, you mentioned the the five forwards on the power play. Obviously, that's just a temporary thing. But is it also just with so many guys that they're missing right now? Going back to simplistic hockey, I mean, is that playing a role in that? Because everyone understands we're missing so many role guys like Korchinski, Seth Jones, not just on the power play, but with their overall game. Is it easier to play simple hockey when you're missing some of those important pieces? Um, Maybe, or I think it could have something to do with the fact that when you know there's five forwards out there, it's kind of like maybe everyone gets a little bit of extra jump in their step because it's like, week we can nobody really well they i guess they have set positions but it's it's kind of like hey let's just let's just pretend like it's a five like a a five on five and let's all just kind of rotate around and it gets to a point where when there's no Seth Jones there's no Korchinski there's no Alex Vlasic then it's like I think Nikita Zaitsev was the power play right. quarterback on the second unit and it's like at that point I would ra- much rather have Philip Kershev um, just running the point as opposed to just putting a guy where he's he's never really played before uh, in a role that he's not used to. So I think that's maybe the thinking more than anything else. We're talking with, we're talking with Charlie Romeliotis here on Blackhawks Live. Uh, Charlie, the goaltending situation has kind of been a hot topic. Would you do anything differently than what the Hawks are doing with Arvid Sutterbloom right now? Um, I don't think so. I, I think if... I think sending him back to Rockford is, I just don't think he's going to learn anything else down there. And I, I think I would only send him down there if I felt like his confidence was taking a hit. Uh, taking a hit. And I just don't see it. Like he's still, you know, we're in the room all the time. Like he doesn't, he doesn't seem like a guy that's like down on himself yes. or he's like mopey around. Like he's just, even when I talk to him on and off the record, he just seems like he's, he's confident in the process and that the results will come. And, I don't know if I'm on an island on this, but I, I still feel like he, he's got he's a 
like he's going to be a starting goalie in this league, and it is so hard when the team is is not great in front of you to try to steal games. And the Blackhawks, I did a piece on this a couple weeks ago, and it's like in his first like twenty eight uh, appearances with the Blackhawks, the the Hawks have averaged like barely over two goals per game. It was like two point zero four. Yes. And, like, for reference, I think last year, like, the worst team in the league had, like, a 2.33 goals per game. So it is, like, significantly worse than the worst team in the league last year on an offensive st- from an offensive standpoint. So it's like, sure, could he clean up his rebounds? Yeah, but, like, the Hawks are a team that they're going to give up so many chances, many of which are going to be high-quality chances, that at some point, I mean, he's just going to give up three to four goals per game naturally because he's going to face like 40 shots a a game and like 15 or 20 of those will be high quality chances. And so I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm like rambling here, but it just, it just feels like it's really hard to have a good save percentage on a bad team, especially as a young goaltender. And once the infrastructure around him starts to strengthen, I feel like you're going to see, a lot one you're going to see more wins but you're going to see his save percentage and his goals against average um strengthen because of it so i i'm not i'm not really losing confidence in him at all no you're not rambling because you're bringing up valid points and i i think it's his time here with the hawks too he's never been supported with a solid roster so it is really hard to to diagnose what his game has been like since joining the Hawks. The only other thing is I wonder if Peter Mrazek wasn't having such a fantastic year, if people would be a little less antsy for answers on Arvid Sutterbloom. But I think the other situation is down in Rockford, Jackson Stauber's numbers aren't great, and Drew Camesso is probably just not in the right position to be called up to the NHL right now. So why wouldn't you take advantage of this time right now and see what you've got in Arvid Sutterbloom? Mm-hmm, for sure. I, I talked to uh, Peter Mrazek a couple weeks ago, too, about this. And I was like, hey, when you were a young goalie and you were going through a tough stretch and maybe you weren't getting wins, how did you stay confident in your game? Like, were you more committed to the process or did you need to see the results to feel the confidence? And he's like, he's like, I got to be honest with you. I broke into the league on a, on a really good Detroit team, so I didn't really have a ton of downs. So, like, Arvid is in a really – tough situation where he he breaks into the nhl as a full-time goaltender on a, a team that's dead last in the nhl right. and they're just in the middle of a rebuild so it's like uh, yeah his numbers are just not going to look great because i don't think you could put really any goaltender in the position i i think with mrazic he's just he's a veteran and he's been around so it's easy for him to have a like a 40 save shutout or whatever and steal performances here and there because he's just been around the league arvid will get there it's just like his first full nhl season and so he has to kind of navigate the the ups and downs but yeah and then last thing i'll say is i remember talking to peter aubrey the rockford ice hogs goaltending coach at the time um i think it was last year and i was kind of i was asking him both about Soderblom and, and drew Camesso, and he's like I haven't seen Drew a ton yet because he was still in college. But he's like, if if Drew can get to where Arvid is right now, he's like, we would be thrilled. So it, it said more about like where where Peter felt Ar- Arvid was versus where Drew wasn't, and like he he felt like 
he was very comfortable with where Arvid was at and was very confident in what his ceiling could be in the NHL. Huh. And no, that's a good point about Mrazic because Mrazic's on this run right now and he has something to kind of base it off of. He has this experience already in the NHL. Soderblom really right. doesn't have that. I mean, he, he's just getting consistent playing time this year. So he's got nothing to base it off of other than, you know, when he was kind of just thrown into the NHL landscape a couple of years ago. Um, kind of similar topic, but also different. But w- what's your latest assessment on Lucas Reichel? Yeah, it feels like they've tried everything. And it was, at the beginning of the year, they started him at center, and then we were all banging the drum that he should be moved to the wing, and then he was moved to the wing, and then we were all banging the drum that he should be on Bedard's line, and then he was put on Bedard's line, and then it was like banging the drum that he should be on the first power play unit, and then he gets put on the first power play unit. It just feels like nothing is working for some reason. Um, I think we're at a point where his he's probably like in a very um, – in a little bit of a mentally fragile place right now. And I think Luke had mentioned that um, last week or so, just saying, like, I think he's really down on himself. So I think rather than piling on, like, hey, we need more from you, like, pick it up, I, I think the Blackhawks kind of have to, like, walk him through how he might be able to get out of this rut. And and rather than give him some tough love, uh, tough love, I think they have to try to, like, walk him through it. And then um, – you know, hopefully for his sake, he he has a little bit of an offensive burst, and that builds some confidence. And then the Blackhawks are able to give him a little bit more uh, feedback that might strike him as, as opposed to like having like a fragile confidence. You don't want the criticism; he'll take it the wrong way. So it's a it's a very delicate situation because I think Lucas, we saw what his potential could be last year, and I think they're just trying anything and everything to get him going, and it, it doesn't seem like anything is working right now, which is really weird. Charlie, I know these off days are pretty coveted, especially now where the Hawks seem to have a, a game every other day at least. Um, so we appreciate you taking time here tonight. You got another Hawks cast coming up tomorrow. Do you want to tell the fans a little bit more about that if they weren't able to catch the first one? Yeah, so I, I had a fun time on the first one with uh, Tony Granado, and he unfortunately won't be able to be on Tuesday's broadcast as he – He's in a little bit of a battle with him for himself, so we're thinking of Tony. But um, I'm looking forward. Brian Bickle is coming in, and he'll be in studio with me. And so we're going to have a couple fun guests that I I don't know if I can share yet. But tomorrow morning, oh come I'm, on, I'm you said you you said you'd be able to share them right here on the air. <laughs> I I I did. <laughs> no, 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 no. I I'm I'm kidding, but they, they will be fun guests. I will say there a couple former Hawks will be joining us, so it it'll it'll be fun. Um, a couple of Brian's former teammates. So oh. there's, I'll, I'll drop a couple of those hints there. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's basically like we're ISO camming. It it's hard to. Um, I I recommend if you have a second TV or you can pull up the something on your laptop to have it up there so you can watch the main feed on the on the broadcast because it is it's more of like a a second screen opportunity to to kind of like what you can watch the real action and then and then on the side you're like oh we're isolating kind of a dart so um hope, hope you guys join us or whoever is is able to watch but it's uh it'll be it'll be a fun time yeah you could also use your computer to stream the game listen to it live on the radio and there then also go. pay attention yeah no no absolutely yeah, pal- it, it sounds like a lot of fun i know the first one you enjoyed a lot too so that's cool brian bickle's a fun dude have have a ton of fun with that and uh I'll see you tomorrow. Another big day tomorrow. Awesome.
Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you having me. All right. Likewise, that is Charlie Romeliotis. He is on NBC Sports Chicago. He's doing the new Hawks cast. There will be another one tomorrow as uh, the Hawks host Colorado, which, of course, you can catch right here on 720 WGN. One last break, and then we get Jack's last thoughts here on Blackhawks Live 720 WGN. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle, jingle bell rock. I don't know the artist, though. I don't need to know. That's okay. Appreciate Holmes. Say it again, Steve Ruxton. Bobby Helms, H E L M S. Correct. All right. I used to play it all the time on country radio. <laughs> oh boy, take us back to that time, Steve Ruxton. I don't think you want to. <laughs> Steve Ruxton will have your news coming up at the top of the hour. After that, it's John Landecker. I'm Joe Brand. This is the last segment of Blackhawks Live. We've got Jack Heinrich beyond the glass. He's our producer, and it's time for Jack's last thoughts. Go ahead, Jack. Thank you, Joe. Um, I mean, you touched on it a little bit earlier. Joey Anderson um, hurt in the last game, so another Blackhawk down. I think me and you might have to lace them up soon. The way this is going, don't it's, want that. It's uh, definitely not. Um, it's can you skate? No, I I skated once in first grade at a friend's birthday party. And that's it. So uh, you're not going for a second time. Ah, uh, not not out there. <laughs> I can't skate well at all. I, I've skated probably more in my life in the past five years than I have mm-hmm. the entire time before that. But no, I'm. It's very ugly when I get out there. Yeah, I'd probably hurt myself somehow. Um, but I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. It just seems like one after another, someone's getting hurt, and this team has already battled a lot. And I mean, the, the expectations weren't super high, but they you thought they'd be a little more competitive, with a little more talent on the roster after what they did last year, but. One way or another, a lot of guys have either gotten hurt or not with the team anymore, and it's not even the trade deadline. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit, and I understand the fans' frustration, but it's a lot of young guys getting some valuable time, and that's really what you're looking for in a rebuild is you're watching all these young guys like Bedard and Kurashev and Reichel and Soderblom and all to see if they're going to be a piece for the future. And unfortunately, that's kind of where you got to shift it more than sort of the win-loss result. The Hawks were lucky they didn't lose Connor Murphy in yesterday's yeah. game, too. He took a shot off the knee, and he left, and it looked like he'd be gone, but he did come back. Takes a lot to knock Connor Murphy out of a game, but uh, yeah, you felt for him. Uh, do you happen to see this this tweet about a connection with Chris Farley and the Blackhawks? I just saw that on Twitter. Apparently, Chris Farley grew up on the same block as Hawks defensive coach Kevin Dean, and we know Chris Farley's connection with Chicago and Second City and... Uh, Later on, on on that tweet, there was a video of Chris Farley like dancing on the ice at the United <laughs> Center, and you know, being his crazy, obnoxious self, but the one we all love. And uh, yeah, I, I just couldn't believe that. And we talked to Kevin Dean last year. Man, I want to talk to him again now. I want to know if there's any more of a connection with him. Um, Dan Maraza on Twitter, um, two R's, two Z's, three A's, uh, saying. The great Chris Farley passed away 26 years ago today. He has a fun connection to the NHL. Not only did Farley play hockey growing up, but a kid on his block in Madison, Wisconsin, went on to play in the NHL. Kevin Dean, who is now an assistant coach for the Blackhawks. He also played for the Hawks, too. Uh, I don't know if it quite tops Steve Bertrand's connection with Chris Farley that we often hear about, (laughs) organizing uh, one of his buddies' bachelor parties and hooked it up with a Second City performance that featured Chris Farley because they all went to Marquette. Uh, One other thing on the national stage, rough that Marc-Andre Fleury doesn't get to play in the game for Minnesota against Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, part of the schedule, I guess they said. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota's on a three-game winning streak. They've won seven of their last nine. Philip Gustafson's on a three-game winning streak of his own, and he's only allowed three goals in his last three games, 969 save percentage, so... 
you get it, but come on, John. Yeah, Hines. I think in the first uh, I saw on Twitter because I think that game started at six our time, but they they were chanting in Pittsburgh, "We want Flurry in the first period." So how could you not? I mean, again, a guy that no matter where he goes, instantly becomes a fan favorite. Could be his last time in Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, that's that's a shame. You get it. I mean, if Minnesota goes to the playoffs, then okay, good on you, John. Hines. Trying trying to win a game. Yeah. <laughs> That's Jack Heinrich. I'm Joe Brand. Another big thanks to Charlie Romeliotis for jumping on as well. This has been Blackhawks Live. Hawks will host Colorado tomorrow night, 730. Puck drop, 7 o'clock pregame show right here on 720 WGN.